Good morning, good morning. I'm just going to continue on with my sequence, describing the sequence of future rewriting um, steps or things I acquired along the way. And the next one I'm going to talk about is the, the pain stuff. So I started off getting low back pain when I was in my 20s, just now and then. And then I had uh, started getting knee pain when I was in my early 30s. And I ignored them, carried on, life's too short, had to hurry up, had to get on with life, forgot about them, paid no attention, gradually acquired more pains here and there. So by the time I was in that time in Tasmania when all this began, I wrote down at one point that I had 13 different pains in my body. And um, there was a sciatica-like one on both sides, um, going all the way from the lower back down behind the buttock, down the back of the leg and down into the calf. Um, there was pain between my shoulder blades, there was pain in my neck, there was pain in my ribs on the left side whenever I stand or sit in any position for more than five minutes. I've still got that one, I've still got the low sacroiliac joint pain. Um, and then there was the plantar fasciitis in various versions. There was that severe episode I already described, but then it would come and go at other times. And there was the generalized stiffness that I'd wake up with in the morning. And there were a whole bunch of other ones which I've forgotten. And I did the usual. I went to see physios, chiropractors, osteopaths, body workers, massage. I spent a lot of money, had a lot of treatment. All of them were very helpful. The people were very kind and they tried to do their best. But I found that if I went with um, too many complaints, they would start to get a bit uneasy. So I would only select two or three of the worst pains to tell them about. And I also found that they would just focus on the area of the actual pain. So it was particularly the physios, I would go and say I had a pain in my knee and they would just do things to my knee. And I used to think, well, surely my knee is connected to my hip and my ankle and my spine. There might be other things going on in my body. And I can tell there are. I can tell there are restrictions and asymmetries and movement dysfunctions. But they never really address the whole body. And well, the chiropractors do. They address the whole spine. The other thing that they, um, all these practitioners do is they start to get a bit sort of impatient if you turn up too often, if you have more than five appointments. If you, um, once they see you on the, about the fifth appointment, they're like, oh, haven't I done, dealt with you already? Why are you back? Well, because I'm still in pain. Um, the chiropractors weren't like that. That was very comforting. The one comforting thing about them was that they did want to see you all the time. And I thought, I'd think, well, people can criticize them for that reason. But actually, if I've got all these pains and I'm in my 50s, I didn't take five minutes to acquire the pain. They've obviously been created over a period of time and it's going to take a period of time for them to go away. So why wouldn't you need to see a practitioner repeatedly for a period of time? But even with the chiropractors, um, they didn't seem to give me any explanation as to why this was happening. Um, and they didn't really tell me what to expect. Like, is this going to take six weeks, six months, six years? Am I going to get better? Where am I headed with all this treatment? And how does it all relate to my spine? Surely it's not all to be blamed on my spine. So I just kept looking. And I went to a workshop with Daryl Edwards, who's a movement guy. And he mentioned this word, pandiculation which I was absolutely fascinated with because I'd always wondered about this thing. And pandiculation is what you see your uh, domestic cats and dogs do when they get up from them. They've been lying down and they do this kind of 
yoga pose, stretchy thing, um, to, to get their muscles back into alignment for the next activity. And this is not, we call it a stretch, but it's not a stretch the way we understand it. The way we talk about stretches is a passive stretch where we just try to lengthen a muscle, um, but the muscle's not active. Um, I've never particularly found stretches of any use from my personal perspective. Um, and pandiculation is something that humans do too, except we don't do it anymore. It's, just, it's the thing you do when you wake up in the morning and you just stretch out your arms and slightly arch yourself and, and kind of a yawny type of feeling. That is a pandiculation and it's a lengthening of a muscle which is active, which is actually contracting while lengthening. And I was so fascinated with this word, I started Googling it, and that led me to a modality called somatics, because it's the only thing I've ever found that actually talks about this word, pandiculation, and they were saying how very important it was. Now, I got a book by Martha Peterson called Move Without Pain, which is a book on the somatics method, and it's the it saved my life, that book. That book was an absolute turning point. Because in the first few chapters, and there's, there's not much writing, most of it is exercises described with photographs, but in the writing, she explained to me why I was in pain. She explained to me what I could expect, and she gave me hope. She told me about sensory motor amnesia, which is where, because we don't use all the muscles in our body to their full extent, our brain stops knowing that we have them. And so the sensory input from that muscle into the brain um, slows down or stops coming in, and therefore the brain stops sending um, instructions to the muscle because it no longer hears from it. It's like a long-lost friend you never hear from, or you don't write to them either. Um, and so you're not using all these muscles and your brain doesn't know you have them. And she proposes that that's really what is at the root of most of our physical deterioration. It's just lack of use. Um, and she gives you all these exercises which help to bring that back. And... Um, yes, a bit. it reminds me of that experiment someone did where they taped the fingers of a monkey or an ape, I can't remember together, two fingers together. They First they mapped the area in the brain that each finger has and then they taped the fingers together and left them there for three months and then they mapped the areas in the brain again and the areas in the brain after the fingers had been taped became one and the same so the brain could no longer distinguish between the two fingers. And often when we move we don't distinguish between parts we move several vertebrae all in one block as if they were one vertebra. And so our brain eventually concludes that they are only one vertebra. And then we lose the ability to move them because our brain doesn't know that there's more than one there. I went and did all these exercises. I began, there were about 25. I started doing the first exercise every day. Um, it only took about three or four minutes and then after three or four days I added the second exercise and that took another three or four minutes and then I added the third exercise and over every two or three days I would add a new exercise and then at the end of it I was taking about half an hour to 40 minutes in the mornings to do these. It absolutely revolutionized my concept of my 
pain and got rid of a lot of it. Um, I'm not saying it happened overnight. Pain is not something that just vanishes, although actually that can happen. Um, mine just kind of started to melt away, get less severe, get less noticeable. And in addition to that, my morning stiffness was um, lessening and my general feeling of mobility was lessening. But more important than any of that was I no longer felt helpless, trapped, and I was no longer looking down the barrel of, I know what's coming next. This is all going to increase and get slowly worse. There's going to be this inexorable deterioration, this falling apart. This part hurting leads to this other part hurting. None of them stop hurting and reverse themselves. They all just get increasingly bad. And you live in fear because you're looking at this horrible future. Um, And that changed my attitude completely. That was the first thing that really made me think, wow, if I can help this, my situation, just a little bit in this amount of time and I can feel a little bit better, that's proof that I can just continue to do this and I can get better again and better again. So that was um, the next major, major discovery. I actually did look into um, training to be a somatics practitioner and I went to one of the workshops and I saw a practitioner for a while but they're quite hard to come by. There's not that many in Australia. There's quite a lot in the US. Um, But through that somehow I discovered Feldenkrais and I don't actually remember how I first found it. And as soon as I did my first ever Feldenkrais lesson from an audio recording, um, I realized they were extremely similar, if not almost the same. And I then discovered that somatics was invented by Thomas Hanna, who was a student of Feldenkrais or a practitioner of Feldenkrais before he invented somatics. So they are very similar. And they... Well, it's extremely similar. There are differences, of course, like all these things, um, but they both are fantastic um, in similar ways. So that is when I discovered Feldenkrais, just because it was more accessible to me rather than me have to only, although I could have just carried on just doing it myself from the book and I would have continued to get better. That would have been a much cheaper and much simpler pathway if I had simply continued Martha Peterson's book and done those exercises every morning for the rest of my life. I would have just continued to get better. But it's in my nature to look into things deeply and to expand my range of looking into them into other related and allied things and I um, a friend of mine had been doing Feldenkrais and said that he had done this challenge of 60 days in a row he did one lesson a day and suggested the challenge to me so of course I took it up I went to a website called openatm.org where there are dozens and dozens of free Feldenkrais lessons, audios. They all last an hour, but by then I was in my routine of doing the somatic, so it was no big stretch to change that to an hour of Feldenkrais. And I started doing one lesson a day from that website. And I got even better. <laughs> um, it was... I just... It's, it's hard to... 
it's it's not a thing I can say, well, first my knee pain went away and then my left foot pain went away and then my low back pain went away. It didn't really, it didn't work like that. But what I did notice was I started to get more information about my body and how my body moves. I would be doing a Feldenkrais lesson and I would suddenly become aware that my ribs move independently. They're not this fixed wire cage that's nebulous to me and obscure and I don't exactly know what shape. And I know anatomy, but it doesn't help um, when you're thinking of your own body, when you're conceptualizing in your mind the shape of your body and how it works and what parts move against what parts. And that's what Feldenkrais has done for me over the last four years is dramatically increase my understanding of what I'm made up of, what parts slide and glide on each other, what parts don't, and that my ribs move independently and are squishy and bendy and flexy and a whole bunch of other things. Um, I've entered the training program, which I'm actually going to be finished with in four and a half months. I'll be a Feldenkrais practitioner. Um, and it's a three-year training program. It's been an amazing, amazing journey, the training program, and I may well talk a bit more about that, but I want to leave this short, and I think for now that's going to be it. So thanks for listening.